0: Well, this evening I think we'll just continue with what we were looking at this morning uh, in the book of Colossians chapter 1. And uh, talking about inheritance and talking about, or studying, that he made us fit for this inheritance. And uh, I was talking to somebody one time, and years ago this thought just came to me. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something about who gets the honor and glory. Is it Christ? Is it us? Or whatever. We were talking about some specific things. And uh, he said, Well, I said, you're kind of splitting hairs. And uh, I thought for a moment, and uh, I think this person was still working at the time. I said, Okay, you work your week or two weeks. And then at the end of the week, if they take your salary and give it to somebody else, that you work for, is that splitting hairs? You going to take that serious? So, I, maybe not a good example. Again, I always give poor examples, but, uh, but if the Lord did something, then the honor and glory doesn't belong to us, doesn't belong to anybody. So, as far as this inheritance, that's what we were looking at, and the scripture in Colossians 1 and 12 says, giving thanks unto the Father, who hath made us fit to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Nowhere in there does it say anything about us making ourselves fit. So do we deserve any honor and glory for that? I believe all honor and glory goes to our Lord. And of course we talked about, uh, just briefly, we talked about... uh, giving thanks. We give thanks because there's a reason. And certainly there is a reason to give thanks unto Him. Uh, For Give thanks to the Father for what He's done. We talked about His plan of salvation through Jesus Christ that He gave His only begotten Son. And uh, so we give thanks for that because David mentioned, through His blood, we have redemption. So give thanks unto Him. Don't Don't take honor and glory for anything that doesn't belong to us. And I know in in our ignorance, in our uh, lack of knowledge, there may be times when we we think that, and then gradually by the Lord's will and His own time, He calls us to see and we take all that honor and glory away from us, and more reason to what? Give Him thanks. So uh, We read where he made us uh, fit. Uh, And then, uh, or we also read that uh, the bond woman, the the bond woman and the children was not going to have this inheritance. Now, we're talking about uh, the bond woman, mosaic law versus the promise and everything. We talked about all that where the law came a long time after the promise, and it didn't disannul the the original covenant. We talked about that. So tonight, let's start in uh, Galatians chapter uh, 4. Well, we was in chapter 4, but we'll go to some different verses. We left off Galatians 4, and we looked at the last portion of that uh, chapter. And... uh, so tonight we'll look at the first portion of it. And again, we're, we're talking about inheritance. We're talking about heir, being an heir to something, an inheritance. And that's what we're looking at here. And uh, I believe this is very interesting as we study this. Galatians 4 and 1. Now I say that an heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. So he's giving a little illustration here of a a young child and everything, and there will be an inheritance to everything, but that's not at this particular time. So then he talks about us. He said, even so we, when we were children, not necessarily talking about a physical age, but a spiritual age. And again, we were all there said, uh, even so we, when we were children. Remember Paul said, uh, uh, like children tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. So even so, uh, even so we, when we were children, were in bondage. Under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, Made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoptions of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir. Heir of God, how? How's this inheritance? Through Christ. Nevertheless then, uh, never then, when you knew not God, you did service unto them which by nature are no gods. But now, after you've known God, or rather are known by God, how turn you again to the weak and beggarly elements unto which you desire again to be in bondage? So there's a lot in here, certainly. So this is talking about uh, an heir, an heir that would be, uh, would have an inheritance as a a son of God. And again, it very plainly tells us in verse 7, Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God. How? Through Christ. How's our inheritance? Through Christ, Not through us. Not through the Mosaic law. An error through Christ. So then it says... Uh, in... Uh, well, verse... I guess we're going down to... to uh, verse 8. It says... Nevertheless them... When you knew not God... You did service unto them... Which by nature are no gods. So back... When we were children, tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine, we did service unto them who weren't gods. Yeah, I go back to, to my youth, and uh, you thought, well, it'd be good to go to heaven. It'd be bad to go to the other place. Who was I looking at as God? Ourself. It's up to us to get to heaven or not. So doing service to them that were not gods. That's what we did in the past. And it says, but now, after you've known God. I didn't, say I didn't know God then. I, I've told you so many times before, uh, I knew, I've heard of a God and, and uh, I was terrified of him. I didn't know him as my heavenly father. But I said, but now, after you know God, after you know his power, after you know what he's done. It says, or rather known uh, by God, how turn you again? to the weak and beggarly elements unto which you desire again to be in bondage. So I was in bondage, looking to the mosaic law, whatever I knew of it, be good to go to heaven, be bad to go to the other place. I was in bondage. That's what I looked at. So here he's telling them, he says, you know, talking about going from servants to being a son, with this, to being an heir. And he said, now, you know, then you did service unto them who were no gods. But now, after you know God. You know God is a sovereign. You know God is in control of all things. You know God's plan of salvation. How turn you again to the weak and beggarly elements unto which you desire again to be in bondage? So it's a, it's a good question to those that Galatians. And well, if you read the whole book together, it makes a lot more sense. This elements is an interesting word. Uh... It says, again, to the weak and beggarly elements. So that word elements in the Greek, I would pronounce it something like uh, stokion stokion or something like that. That's how I would pronounce it in the Greek. But it means, so what does it mean? The the weak and beggarly elements. So that's what you, you turn again to go back into these weak and beggarly elements. What, going back into what? Well, that word means walk orderly. You say, well, wouldn't that be a good thing to go back to? At first thought, it might be. But it also means uh, to march like in a military rank. And I think of seeing some of these things on television, the Germans, maybe the Chinese, and how they was all marching just this military rank and everything, and Orderly. It also means that word elements. And again, look it up in, in the Greek. Very interesting. Keep in step. Regular line. And you think, well, what's what's wrong with that? What's wrong with an orderly walk? What's wrong with? March in this military rank. In other words, everything just so-so. What's what's wrong with that? Because clearly there is. Because it tells these here Galatians. You after you known God. Why do you turn back to this? These weak and beggarly elements. Think of we know. Uh, think of the Jews at Jerusalem the lawyers and the Pharisees, they knew that law inside and out. Didn't understand it, but boy, they knew it. And that's what they taught. And it was almost like a military rank and March. You pick up sticks on Saturday, they killed you. Uh, so anyway, so we look at the, the legalistic Jews at Jerusalem, and that's what... That's what they were all looking at. And, and I, uh, I didn't read this morning, but I think it's the 15th chapter of Acts, or 9th, 15th, I think. The son came down from Jerusalem, taught the brethren there, unless you're circumcised, keep the law of Moses. That law of Moses, that orderly rank, you can't be saved. So they were teaching that. And here at Galatians, some was wanting to go back to that. Of course, you know what Peter said, we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved. Uh, And that's what Peter told them. But here, they desire to go back unto these beggarly elements. And it says, unto which ye desire again to be in bondage bondage under the law of Moses. This word elements will show up again, the Greek word will anyway. Let's go to uh, Colossians, uh, the second chapter. Colossians 2 and... Uh, let's go to verse, start in verse 6. Colossians 2 and 6. And as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk you in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding with thanksgiving. So build up in Jesus Christ, the Lord. Walk in Him. Rooted and built up and established in the faith of Jesus Christ. Abounding with thanksgiving. Now, we talked about that thanksgiving this morning, didn't we? But then verse 8 is a beware. Beware though. Beware lest any man spoil you. Through philosophy, vain deceit, after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. That word rudiments is the exact same Greek word as elements over there. And it would be, again, I would pronounce it something like stalkion or something like that. It's the exact same Greek word. So is what it's saying here. It's beware. It says, you know, uh, you were rooted and built up in Christ, but beware. Lest any man spoil you through the philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world. Rudiments, elements that orderly uh, walk as a legalist Jews did in Jerusalem after the law of Moses. But the key here that explains it all, I believe, is verse, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. That's what it's saying. Beware, whatever it is, the rudiments, the elements, whatever, the treasons of man, whatever it is, beware, but it's not after Christ. And and I hear it on, usually Sunday morning, I kind of go through the channels and while we're getting ready and listen to some of the different religious things, and so much of them <sighs> turns it back around after, after man, not after Christ. But so it says, beware of that. So this rudiments is the same thing as those elements, that orderly walk, which you'd think would be a good thing. Yeah, uh, uh, why have you gone back to that orderly walk? You'd think that'd be a good thing, but it's talking about the law of Moses. Touch not, taste not, handle not. Law of Moses instead of Christ as the way. And so here, staying in the same chapter, let's go to verse 20. And I think this makes it clear then what it's talking about. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world... Dead with Christ, the rudiments of the world. The rudiments, again, that elements, that orderly uh, 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 walk, orderly and so forth. He said, if you're dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why as though living in the world, are you subject to the ordinance? Touch not, taste not, handle not. That's talking about the law of Moses. Again, uh, let, me, let me make clear. There's the letter of the law, and there's the spirit of the law. Christ is the spirit of the law. The letter of the law, the Sabbath, you don't work on Saturday. The spirit of the law, or well, maybe I should say it this way, letter of the law, you don't defile the Sabbath by laboring on Saturday. spirit of the law, you don't defile your, you don't defile your Sabbath, which is Christ, You have rest in Christ, that's what the Sabbath is, and you don't defile it. So there's a difference between the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. This is talking about the letter of the law. And that's, again, that's what the legalists, that's what the Jews were teaching. Uh, Let me read 20 and 21 together. Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are you subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not. Well, how important is that touch-not, taste-not, handle-not? Don't want to give you my opinion, but look at verse 22. Which all are to perish with the using. After the commandments and doctrines of men. It doesn't recommend me to God if I don't work on Saturday. It doesn't recommend me to God if I wear garments that are all one uh, type of material and not mixed. It doesn't recommend me to God. And it says, which are all to perish. Now, well, which are all to perish after the using or after the commandments and traditions of men. Then 23. These things have indeed a show of wisdom talking about these doctrines and commandments of men, these touch not, taste not, handle not. These things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. I struggled with this verse for a long time. Not any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. Bill, didn't make any sense. What this is saying... Not any honor to God, but to the satisfying of the flesh. I don't work on Saturday. I don't wear garments uh, of this mixed. I don't eat pork, unclean things. Oh, that's a lie, by the way. <laughs> but in that worshiping under the letter of the law, Touch not, taste not, handle not. Don't eat cat feast. Don't eat pork. Don't work on Saturday. According to this, it's not in honor to God, but to satisfying the flesh. And that's what the Jews did, of course. So, as we look at that, and it was a little bit sidetracked, I think, but to look at this, our inheritance. Beware that we're not uh, spoiled after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. That, we may struggle understanding some of the Greek words of this or that, but the importance is, and not after Christ. That's what we want to have our antennas up, uh, I guess. Is it after Christ, or is it after man, or after something else? Okay, now let's go to to, uh, Hebrew uh, chapter 9. Still talking about this inheritance and and so forth. And giving thanks to who truly deserves the thanks. And where our inheritance comes from. Hebrew 9 and uh, verse 15. Again, talking about heir, talking about inheritance again. And for this cause, he is a mediator of the New Testament. That by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, they who are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Is anybody going to receive the promise of eternal inheritance that we're not called? They who are called. Who has the, who has the call list? Who makes up the call list? So uh, those who are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Those who are called are the ones that's going to receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Again, I didn't make up the list. I didn't make up the the arrangement. This is not my opinion. This says those who are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Those who are called. That's all. Going along with that line, let's go in John chapter 10. Gospel John chapter 10, as far as being called, we go to this a lot. But very clear, John chapter 10. Again, all I'm going to do is point out who deserves the honor and glory uh, for our inheritance. Who deserves the thanksgiving for our inheritance. So, as far as called, that's the ones that's going to have his internal inheritance, the ones that he calls. So, John 10 and, uh, well, verse 26. Uh, let's go back to 24. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you believe not, the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because you're not of my sheep. He's not calling them. Now, we could go a little farther ahead, okay, called eternal inheritance. Doesn't mean everybody else in the lake of fire, there's outside and so forth. But anyway, won't get into that either. But verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. The ones that are called are going to receive an eternal inheritance. We want to know who to give the thanksgiving to for our eternal inheritance. So it says, my sheep hear my voice. It doesn't say the good ones. It doesn't say the obedient ones. It doesn't say what it strip. What it says is just a fact. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. They're called. His sheep are called. He calls them. They're going to have an eternal inheritance. You say, well, you know, maybe uh, I heard this morning on one of those religious shows I was listening to near the end. Well, God offers this eternal life to you. Oh, it's not an offer, not an offer at all. And this will prove that. He says, and I give unto them eternal life. There's that inheritance of eternal life. How do we get it? Well, he calls and he gives. You say, well, but, you know, it's up to us to answer. We're, there's, we're wanting to give us something to do, aren't we? we wanting to give us some honor and glory. And, and again, I know we did that until he shows us. And I give unto them eternal life. And let me just give another illustration. I do it. I've done it before, but I, I, I thought it was a pretty good one. I give unto him eternal life. I heard a man on television give this really convincing illustration. He says, if I write out a check to you, and I give it to you, all you have to do is turn it over and endorse it. still leave something for you to do. See, that's not giving, that's offering. And it doesn't say offering here at all, does it? I give it to them eternal life. Well, how do you know it's not an offer? How do you know some of them won't refuse? Look what it says. And I give it to them eternal life, and they shall never perish. It's not up to you to endorse, it's all of the Father and the Father's plan of salvation. Ones he calls will have the gift of this eternal inheritance. And who's going? He said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, they follow me. I give, not I offer. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. See, if he offered, some of them will surely perish. He gives and he tells us they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. He's the shepherd. He's the good shepherd. Nope, not one of them is going to be lost. My Father who gave them to me, how, yeah, and I like that too. How'd they get to be a sheep? How did how the sheep of Lord Jesus Christ, how did they get to be his sheep? I remember uh, as a youngster going to the livestock market with my dad, and uh, I always enjoyed that. But you had this kind of arena and this uh, auditorium-type seating up here, and down here you had the area where the livestock would go through, sometimes one by one, sometimes there'd be groups of them from different places. And people up there would, would choose them and bid on them. And I saw a few sheep go through, and people up here would bid on the sheep. I never saw one sheep stand up and say, I think i choose that guy up there in the back row, third from the end. Sheep do not choose, and neither do they here. How did we get to be the Lord's sheep? The Father gives them to him. It tells us, My Father who gave them to me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck him out of my Father's hand. Who gets the honor and glory for our security? the Father. I and my Father are one. So, the ones he calls has this gift, internal inheritance. We could, gosh, I better go on. I won't get through this evening either. Uh, I won't turn to it. In Psalms 47 is a, um, a verse probably a lot are not familiar with talking about God, and said, he shall choose our inheritance for us. Our inheritance, we're looking at an eternal inheritance, and it says, he shall choose our inheritance for us. Where's our, as far as our inheritance, where's our choice, where's our free will? I heard a guy uh, this week, One morning, I was sleeping a little bit later, and he comes, well, I wasn't asleep, but I I laid in bed a little later. He comes on 4.30 a.m., and uh, I'd listen to him before on other, uh, somebody gave me some CDs one time, and kind of makes, he's kind of good to listen to, but I've heard him before, and he'd be talking. He'd say, you know, I don't understand it. He said, but somehow it has to be free will, but I don't understand it. And, and I was talking in a business meeting one time with some of the uh, elite people uh, where I work. And it was a business meeting, but something came up, and it's just a perfect example of Christ and everything. So I said to someone, and I said, uh, I mentioned that to him, how it, you it know, just kind of fit with that. And he said, well, but somehow you have to get free will in there. Somehow you had to get free will in there. So this guy that I was telling you about, and he's, a, he's not a fictitious man. He's a, he seemed to be an honest man and studying the scriptures and everything, and, and I, I enjoy listening to him some. And he gets to that point, and he reads scriptures showing this all of God and all of Christ. they will say, but somehow, you had to get free will in there. he so I don't know how, but somehow. And this morning, or no, this week, I heard it. <laughs> I was shocked at what he said. He said, "The lost don't have free will, but the chosen has free will." Don't ask me how he he didn't make come together. I couldn't get that. The lost the lost don't have free will, but the chosen has free will. Again, that's uh, sorry. I just had to pass that out there to you, but it tells us he shall choose our inheritance for us aren't you glad of that it says in John I can't remember the chapter that we would choose darkness rather than light aren't you glad he chooses our inheritance for us uh, you say okay so he chose your inheritance for you and everything but it's up to you to keep it surely surely have to get something in there. Well, let's, let's see. 1 Peter chapter 1. Let's see for something we have to do to keep that inheritance. And let me, let me say something or confess something. Talk about free will and glorifying man and everything. Everything in me tells me that we're free moral agents. It really does. But when I go to the scriptures, I see contrary to that. We're not free moral agents. It's, it's all about God. So anyway, so uh, he chooses our inheritance for us. You say, well, okay, it's up to you then to, to keep it and don't let it slip away. Well, let's see. 1 Peter 1 and uh, verse 3. Blessed be the God Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy, according to his abundant mercy, not according to what I've done, according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a living hope by my good works, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance. That's what we're talking about this morning and night. to an inheritance. Incorruptible, undefiled, faded not away, reserved in heaven for you. I was watching, I kind of like to watch this guy. It's on television, uh, uh, full custom or something like that. And he's out in the desert and got all these old cars that are just sitting out there. They don't rust in or anything like that. And I just, just love that. But they don't rust. They don't corrode. Now, around here, they sit very long and they just kind of melt down the ground. Wood does the same thing. That's corruption. But this says to an inheritance, and that's the key, what we're talking about. To an inheritance. Undefiled. Fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. It's not going to go away. It's not going to fade away. But you have to do your part. Well, let's see. It's not it said reserved in heaven for you. Verse 5 who are kept by the power of God. Told you before I've had uh flew to Florida one time to a Bible conference and and uh we got snowed in in uh, uh Nashville couldn't get direct flights back then and I had a car reserved and everything like that and uh we snowed in it was around Easter time and they de ice and D. and D we sat there. So the time I got to Florida, I had a car reserved, had a paid for with a credit card or debit card, but I got there, I didn't have any car. Here it was two or three o'clock in the morning, no car, no cars anywhere. But I had it reserved. But this says to inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God. Had God reserved a car for me, it would have been there. Of course, it was his will that wasn't there. I realized that maybe so I could make this point. I don't know. But uh, why, would, why would I want to, to take credit for this? Okay, this inheritance, boy, I've earned it. God owes me. I, I've heard that before too. God owes me. God owes you. He doesn't owe me anything. I owe him everything to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God. Why would I want to take honor and glory myself in part of that? Why can't we just rejoice say thank you, God? Thank you for this inheritance that you've chosen for me, that Jesus Christ paid for through your plan of salvation. Thank you for the inheritance that's reserved for me. No, I'm not deserving. Why would we want to say anything else? Well, and and the reason we we did in the past, and the reason people do today, it's because of not knowing, because of ignorance. And we read this morning, didn't we, uh, about Satan's doctrine. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. See, if I say that I'm going to have an inheritance because that I've kept it and what I've done, I'm putting myself in the place of God because this says this inheritance is reserved in heaven for me and kept by the power of God. So you see, I'm wanting to be like God. And I know in ignorance we say that, we have believed that in ignorance, but we're really wanting to be like God. And, An example in Daniel, the fourth chapter, Daniel chapter 4. And we'll see Satan's doctrine front and center here, although it's not uh, referring to Satan directly. Daniel chapter 4. And uh, let's see, how far do I want to go back? Uh, This is Nebuchadnezzar. You know about Nebuchadnezzar. He had this dream... Daniel's interpreted a dream for him. And uh, what Daniel said, well, said the is going to be taken away from you. You're going to be cast out and live in exile and everything. But it's going to be returned to you. Because that's why the stump was left there. So he told Nebuchadnezzar this. And let me read that in verse 25. They shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beast of the field. And they, uh, and they shall... Make thee to eat grass like oxen, and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over thee. I believe it's seven years. But till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will. He said, Nebuchadnezzar, this is what I'm going to teach you. Probably going to take, I'm going to take seven years or seven times. And I'm going to teach you that the Most High rules. You're going to be out there living like an animal. And like I have said before, probably maybe spring comes when some of those berries come on, everything like that. Boy, look forward to them if he's out there living like an animal. But one year, there's a frost, late frost, no berries. After a while, after seven years, God taught him, wait a minute. Who's in control here? So anyway, but this is what he told him. This kingdom is going to be taken away. It'll be given back, but it's going to be taken away. So Daniel interpreted the dream. Now, uh, in verse 29, at the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. 12 months had taken place since Daniel interpreted this dream. I don't know what kind of calendar they had, but they uh, maybe looked by the stars or whatever. But 12 months, maybe they counted the moons. That, I guess they could do that pretty easily, couldn't they? year passed by. He hadn't forgot about that dream. He pro- during that time, he probably had people tasting his food to make sure he wasn't getting poisoned and probably really looked through his security forces again to make sure they were all still faithful to him. He didn't want this kingdom, uh, he didn't want to be thrown out of his kingdom and living in exile like Daniel would interpret his dream. So, 12 months, he was thinking about this. And look what he said in verse 30. The king spoke and said, Is this not great Babylon that I have built? For the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? He said, wait a minute, they're not going to throw me out of here. I built this kingdom. I've got little servants and everything. I, bu- I built it. My power and my majesty, I built it. This is not going to happen. Daniel was a quack. 31, while the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken. Uh, the kingdom is departed from thee. And you know we won't have time, but he went out, spent seven years, and as God said, till you know, the most high ruleth kingdom of men, giveth to whomsoever he wills. So he's out there seven years. And then let's go over to verse 34. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, God taught him something. At the end of the days, 34, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lift up mine eyes into heaven, and mine understanding returned to me, and I blessed the, what did he say, most high. What did he say over here? I built this kingdom, my might and my power, just like Satan we read this morning in Isaiah 14. I'll exalt my throne above the stars of God. I, I, I. It's what Nebuchadnezzar did. I built this kingdom, uh, um, uh, my power and my majesty. But over here, I blessed the most high. He was considering himself one of the high, wasn't he? And I bless the Most High, and I praise and honored him who liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. Now, he was inhabitant of the Earth, wasn't he? It's just time. He says they're reputed as nothing. Now, he didn't say that uh, Seven years ago, I built this kingdom. My power, my majesty. He didn't say reputed as nothing, but now, after the Lord taught him, and the Lord teaches us in different ways. But now He says, and all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and He doeth according to His will. In the army of heaven. And Among the heavens of the earth, the guy on television said, "Well, God's will basically is, is uh, they don't have free will, the lost don't have free will, but the other ones they got free will, that's not what this says. It says he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven among the heavens of the earth." And, and I, like, I like this statement. I like to ask people. Is God's will coming to pass in heaven? Oh, yes. In heaven, everything perfect. God's will is coming to pass in heaven. Of course it is. But what does it say? And among the heavens of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? So, uh, verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. Now he honors him. Who was he honoring before? Himself? Where did that doctrine come from? Satan? And I know we looked at that. I know we don't think it comes from Satan. I, I, I. But that's where it comes from. That's, that's how he deceived Eve, didn't it? Eve, you, you eat this, you'll be like God. Oh, that's what I want. I'll be like God. Now I Nebuchadnezzar praise and extol and honor the King of Heaven, beloved. Don't, don't taking that honor upon ourselves. All whose works are truth, and his ways justice, and those that walk in pride, he is able to base. Oh, was Nebuchadnezzar ever in pride? Did he abase him? Yes, he did. And, and we, we should pray that any pride in us, any way that we uplift man, he abases us. That we look unto him for all things. Uh, well, Actually, we're out of time, but let's go one more scripture. And Actually, this is a scripture I was going to start with, but I didn't. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, and I promise I'll make it quick here. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1. We go there a lot to that chapter that's hated by the world. Ephesians 1 and 11. In whom also we have obtained inheritance. Who do you think that's in? In us? Do we obtain that inheritance in us? In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose, according to something, according to me and my works, according to you and your works. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will. I was going to start with that, but I didn't. But there's our inheritance. Predestinated. He chose our inheritance for us. Who, who, who did it? The one who worketh all things at the counsel his own will. So we give honor and glory to whom it is due. And I know we've looked at this, our inheritance. Why do we have his inheritance? Who gave us his inheritance? Who keeps this inheritance for us? And, and we can say, well, you know, what about this and what about that? And I understand that. And it's okay. And we study those things. You might say, well, you're saying this. No, I'm just reading the scriptures, what the scripture says. It tells us why we have inheritance, who's going to have the inheritance, and how this inheritance came to, 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 to be for them. So it's not my opinion. It's what the scriptures declare. And it's just a simple thing of, for us watching and us not taking any honor and glory. That's why we have reason to give thanks unto him that he's made us fit for this inheritance. May the Lord bless the speaking of his word. We're dismissed.